0: On a brand new Josh Nason's Punch-Out, the finale is here of the award-winning, hopefully soon to be award-winning, you never know, year-interview series for Pro Wrestling 2023 with a final look back at December. Joining me for the very first time, Ibu of WrestlePurist. He was a great guest. We talked a lot on the show about all kinds of things, and you might be thinking, this month just happened. I, I, I know everything that happened. Why do I need to listen to this? Well... Eboo is here. I'm here. If you listen to every episode in the series, you owe it to yourself to complete the set. And this is a great conversation. We talk all about this stuff that happened. And, of course, kind of look at a little bit ahead to uh, 2024 as well. Of course, we talk about AEW World's End. CM Punk becoming a – actually, his first full month back as a WWE employee. Worked his first two matches since uh, being out of the company for 10 years. We talk about the where is she going to go discussions with mercedes Monet. All the uh, different signings for WWE throughout the month. Some of the issues in AEW, as always. And of course, we talk about NXT. Impact, the final month before they changed over to TNA. Japan, the junk drawer. Goldberg calling Vince McMahon a piece of shit. You know, we have to hear about that. And I should point out, this was recorded before the news that Okada was departing New Japan Pro Wrestling. As his contract expires in February, so... When we talk about that during the conversation, that's why we didn't actually bring that up because it recorded before that. But it's an awesome conversation. I had a lot of fun with Ibu, and I think he will as well. So let's wrap this thing up, finally, as we are almost at the end of January, almost the Royal Rumble, no better time than now. Myself, Ibu from WrestlePurist, talking all about the year that was 2023. Sorry, December 2023. In the world of pro wrestling, the year review series has come to a conclusion. Enjoy. We are finally at the end of my year in review series. We've taken a look back at every single thing that happened, nearly every single thing that happened in the world of pro wrestling in 2023. And there was a lot, of course, a lot's already happened in 2024. As you're listening to this, but we've got to finish off this series. And I'm glad to be joined once again, or actually for the first time, rather, by Ibu from Wrestle Purists, someone that uh, the backup hangman, someone that I've followed for quite some time and really enjoy his uh, his takes on wrestling i'm sure you do as well and welcome to the show for the very first time glad we're actually able to make this happen
1: josh thank you so much for having me uh this will be my first uh first appearance on the uh, wrestling observer platform and so i'm really really appreciative of all of this and uh i'm honestly um i'm honestly humbled that you approached me for this to be honest uh uh so so thank you for having me i'm looking forward to getting into getting into uh, the month of december and um yeah man i'm I'm here i'm ready to go
0: yeah this is great yeah i, I enjoy i always like when you uh i have some guests that uh, this is their first time appearing on any podcast for our uh for our, our network on our website because i mean you've been you mentioned before you've been a, a reader of the observer for for quite some time and long time of, yeah. long time yeah so it's it's cool to hear uh people kind of get their first experience to be on uh on our website that's that's awesome to hear Uh, let's see. Have you actually I again, have you ever had any interactions in person with, uh, Dave Meltzer or Brian Alvarez? I guess we'll start there.
1: Nah, Brian's a Seattle guy. Dave's a West coast guy. I've never run into them. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes they will travel for certain types of shows, but I've never run into Dave or Brian. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Uh, And you're a, you're East coast guy, correct?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in Jersey. So if I'm, if there's, if there's a big wrestling show in, in, anywhere in New Jersey, or New York city, I'm probably there somewhere. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting spotted more and more increasingly. But no, I've, I I've never run into anyone like a, like a Dave or a Brian, but some of the some of the media people that frequent the East Coast shows, I always run into them.
0: That's right. And I, I did uh, a, a a I to say famous video. I saw one the other day. There's some controversy about Tony Khan ducking you uh without the <laughs> dap. Yeah. You're trying not to give a dap, but you had to clarify that. So I saw that a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Allow me to allow me to just publicly <laughs> publicly <laughs> play rumor killer on this because a lot this, this this went around this actually picked up steam funny enough but um i already I, I had already like spoken to tony saw tony dapped up tony took the picture with tony uh at the timing of the video i was i was trying to dap up my guy ian riccabani mm-hmm. who uh, does commentary for ring of honor and he was coming towards the sideline and uh in the video's audio you can hear me saying hey ian what's up and um tony was in the way actually funny enough and i was trying to move my fist around mr khan uh to 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 dap up Ian. but it does it does look it does look crazy out of context and it, it did make for some funny memes but yeah yeah i was trying to i was trying to say what's up to my man ian Rickabani.
0: <laughs> good glare blue uh, clarify that so let's uh let's start it with uh, we'll kick off with AEW um this okay. month. of course they had their Big pay-per-view, the first ever World's End pay-per-view and some developments, of course, and on the show. So it took place um, in uh, on Long Island. Sorry, I know some people get upset when you say in Long Island. On Long Island, New York. And mm-hmm. Samoa Joe winning the uh, AEW world title in the main event. And the Devil, of course, revealed as Adam Cole with his uh, with his crew, Roderick Strong, The Kingdom. And we also had uh, Wardlow as part of that group as well. Eddie Kingston winning the first ever Continental Crown, uh, tri- the uh, modern day Triple Crown, as A.W. is calling it, defeating John Moxley in a uh, pretty great match there. Adam Copeland picked up a win over his rival Christian and then lost the TNT title thanks to Luchasaurus's aid. So Christian Cage once again leaving with the TNT title. Dustin Rhodes had to replace Keith Lee in a uh, match we seem we will never ever see. Uh, someday maybe against uh, Swerve Strickland, uh, due to an injury by Keith Lee. There was a report before the show that came out that apparently uh, turned out to be true, of course. Andrade El Idolo, departing AEW as his contract ran out, and he took on Miro and, and uh, took a defeat on the show. A return vignette for Serena D Baird on the show. And, of course, the day was dominated by this story that came out uh, about some, uh, I guess you call it, an al- alleged issues with Chris Jericho and Kylie Rae. It's It's hard to say alleged because there wasn't a direct um you know a direct public allegation by uh Kylie ray it was it was a just a story that had come out and and it was just kind of took it a life of its own on twitter uh tony khan attempted to address this afterward at the press conference while wearing uh, tony storm's hat and the sunglasses which made for a pretty ridiculous uh look and did not really uh, kind of said that he doesn't respond to internet allegations or something along those lines. And, and it was a kind of something that's kind of followed the promotional along Jericho getting, you know, booed a little bit at some shows and there's just still a lot of kind of questions in the air about this, you know, what happened and when did anyone know and, and all this stuff. But there was kind of a, you know, going into the show, it really kind of put a, a pall on things. Cause there was just a question of what would, what would happen and turned out nothing would happen, but yeah, overall a very interesting day as they always seem to be with uh, AEW on pay-per-view days. What do you remember about this uh, last month?
1: Well, when it comes to the, the show itself, it was a, uh... It was quite the day, like you said, it was just dominated by a bunch of major news stories with the Chris Jericho and the Andrade situation. And um, it seems like this always happens on an AEW pay-per-view day. There's usually some type of big black cloud. There's some type of really distracting story that ends up dominating um, the conversation. And usually it's on a day when the pay-per-view is like excellent. And there's like so many amazing matches and uh, it takes the focus away from that. Cause instead of celebrating what, what, what we saw on the screen, um, we're worried about uh, the distractions. On this day, um, I, I didn't think World's End lived up to the standard of an AEW pay per view. Generally speaking, like I thought it was, you know, there were good things on the show, but I thought it was very much a mixed event. And so, um, yeah, I just thought it was, it was, it was tough, man. I know personally when I was watching the Chris Jericho match, it was very, very distracting. It was a tough experience because um, it was impossible not to think about what's the, you know, the broader situation. Uh, yeah. The fans certainly uh, made sure to let AEW know how they felt about everything the crazy part was that josh i I mean i'm I'm sure like for me a couple years ago even as recently as just a few years ago when these types of things would creep up on social media and the fans would kind of like hear about like you know the misdeeds of of a professional wrestler um it felt like that would stay within that space and it wouldn't make it to the live arenas you know that's why people would say things like twitter isn't real and um but Here, I'm, I'm taking notice like it, it's happened, it happened with Gable Steveson in WWE when he was at the NXT show a couple months ago, and it happened last, uh, um, at World's End with Chris Jericho. Where the people in the crowd absolutely knew what happened with him, or at least they knew about like the situation. And so, I was really shocked how much it pervaded throughout the live crowd the sentiment and then just the awareness of, of his situation and, and how much that affected his match. And it absolutely did affect his match, the whole thing was a total mess. Um, so yeah, my, my memory is the world's end. And just AEW and that, that stretch is just that um my feeling was that they needed to just act quick on Chris Jericho and come to some type of um uh decision regarding a situation. And like you said, the decision was to just leave it alone and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's very difficult because it's like Kylie Ray with that with the emoji that she replied with it was I believe it was a heart. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly she's expressing. You know, some type of acknowledgement and or solidarity for people who have had similar situations to herself with Chris Jericho or, or with other wrestlers. But uh, you know, like you kind of pointed out, because there's no formal complaint or allegation, um, AEW's in this kind of strange spot, I guess. And uh, I know that when I spoke to people in the company about what what they're going to do with Chris Jericho, like the impression I was given was basically that you know, if if, if a formal complaint is, is, is filed. Then they can pursue uh, something, some action for Chris Jericho. But un- unless it happens, and they're not going to do anything, and so it just leaves leaves them in this really weird spot. Yeah, um, but yeah. So so he's just going to continue to be on these shows, and they're going to continue to try to work around the weirdness, and <laughs> they're going to do all the tricks in the book to to, to mask um, the weird reactions until they until they just cease to happen, and that's what's happening right now. Uh, but beyond that beyond that I, I i'll tell you this the the big positive of the show was that uh the continental crown sorry the continental classic was saw through and uh the finals are great i thought the final match uh, eddie kingston and john moxie was excellent i thought that it was a fitting conclusion just stylistically and tonally to what they've been building throughout the tournament you know, I'm sure you've been very aware of this, Josh, the whole conversations about, you know, what AEW should be in 2023. And it felt like at points there was an identity crisis. And it almost seemed like the Continental Classic was a restoration of the values that AEW seemed to um, really, really hold high at the beginning. And so, you know, this sports style tournament with hard hitting wrestling and a lot of the no nonsense, and no fluff. And so kind of going back to that and then having this final where Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. And I, I don't mean this derogatorily. Uh, they're being absolute marks because you're watching the match and like there's pieces of all Japan pro wrestling in it. There's pieces of UWFI and Pancrase in the match as they're grappling on the mat and they're doing the kicks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I thought the match was great. So that was fun. Um, and, and and then for, for the rest of the show, again, like I said, it was just kind of mixed and the crowd is just very on and off. I think Keith Lee not uh, being available to to have the match. sort of took the wind off the sails a bit mm-hmm. because it felt like that was an opportunity for Swerve to just kind of beat him and move on to the next stage in his career. And it just feels like it, it's just unfortunate that it, that they haven't been able to do the match. Uh, elsewhere on the show, there was, um, there was the, uh, the edge and Christian thing. Sorry, Adam Copeland and Christian's match. And uh, that was fun. That was fun. They woke the crowd up. They, they worked really hard, had a good plunder match. And um I guess the big lasting takeaway is that Samoa Joe is the champion and MGF's big long reign has finally come to an end. Um, I'm very mixed on the devil storyline. There were parts of it that just just did not work for me and I didn't think made for particularly good television. Uh, But what I will say is that the reveal was done well. And as we're seeing now with some of these weekly TV shows, uh, Samoa Joe as champion is just transformative. Uh, I think he's incredible. So, uh, yeah, that was World's End. Yeah, did
0: you? So I was talking about this with uh, I think it might have been Jason Powell yesterday. Uh, so did you think that the finish for the Joe MGF match was meant to be? Um, I want to say contested, but like if you, if you remember the end, Joe, uh, the right Bry, Bryce Ramsor puts uh, MGF's hand up twice, it hits the mat, and the third time it like hits his own leg, and Bryce Ramsor has this kind of surprised look on his face. Do you think it was more meant like? His surprise, like, oh wow, this title reign is over, and MJF was actually ch- choked out. Or do you think that was meant to be? I don't know what I'm supposed to do here because it didn't hit the mat in the same way the first two did. Do you, do you know what I mean? Did you did you take it that way?
1: Uh, I didn't notice this. What I will say is that um, the finish did feel abrupt, but at, at the same time, I think if there was if this was meant to be a, a more contested finish and they kind of didn't it didn't go as planned, I feel like we would have heard about it you know
0: yeah
1: Uh, so yeah i I don't know i'm I'm not totally sure all all i do know is that the finish did come kind of abruptly and maybe that's just because of my general expectation that you know the the certain formula for mjf main event matches on pay-per-view especially after he has like the because he has the injury that he's dealing with i just kind of expected more extra elements kind of coming into play in the match and you know when you get used to that type of uh, main event format where it's like All right, this is when the ref bump happens. This is when this interference happens. That's when that interference happens. That's when these guys pull up here to do this and this. Um, When you start getting used to that, it's hard to buy a finish before all of those things come into play. And in in this match, I remember there was a ref bump, but um, it it wasn't too much after that. It wasn't super elaborate. And so when the finish just happened before, like, everybody else started running in, which I just expected, um, I was like, oh, really? Wow, this is the finish. Uh, So that was kind of my perspective on it. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I guess we'll see what happens. MJF didn't really, yeah, again, he wasn't around on dynamite after he's going to be out sometime. So I guess we'll see if, uh, if I'm crazy or not But yeah, overall. Yeah. I think it was a, uh, it was a show that most uh, I think most, uh, you know, uh, let's see, not tribal minded. AEW fans would probably say it's not their favorite and it just had a different feel than most AEW pay-per-views and you know, sure. we'll, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and, and again, this comes off a stretcher doing, you know, pay-per-views essentially every month since August. So we have a two-month break. You know, We'll see what happens with revolution of a, a pat crowd there, which is good. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll kind of see how things go uh, as uh, as we go. So, yeah, let's uh, get into the rest of the months. This includes some AEW and some Ring of Honor. I'll go over this first chunk of stuff, and there's things that uh, stick out at you after I read this. You can uh, chime in. So, right. yeah, Matt Hardy said he was very frust- it was very frustrating how AEW had utilized the Hardys recently. Ronda Rousey said she was not planning to join AEW. She was focused on being a full-time mom. Tony Khan said Brian Danielson remained in AEW in spirit after his full-time run is done. Danielson confirmed his involvement in the AEW disciplinary committee, of course, leading to a lot of memes online, the the Danielson face, anytime someone uh, put something out Mm -hmm. on Twitter, you know, that type of stuff. (laughs) Um, Tony Khan said AEW is all all in for 2024. The on sale to that point had been a huge success. Chris Jericho made a surprise appearance at a pro wrestling event in Vietnam. Tony Khan said Rick Flair essentially paying us for his AEW appearances due to this uh, deal they had with Wu Energy. Jack Perry filed to trademark Jungle Boy, Jurassic Express, a boy and his dinosaur trademarks. Rio made her uh, biannual return on AEW Dynamite to confront Tony Storm. Devon Von, Eric family were set to make their AEW debut at uh, Winter is Coming, of course, to correspond with the release of The Iron Claw. Shayna Wayne cost Adam Copeland the TNT title on AD, AEW Dynamite and AEW's first, first visit to Montreal. Of course, I was in the uh, the edge. Or sorry, Adam Copeland, I'm doing it too. Adam Copeland and, uh, and Christian match in the main event there. Kyle O'Reilly said he, quote unquote, might be a wrestler again by the time that the AEW Canadian Tour kicks off in March 2024. The company announced eight Canadian dates for, the, for next year or this year that we're now currently. Trent Seven said he was incredibly close to sign with AEW at one point mjf made a surprise appearance at a Create pro event as real that kenny omega would be out of action indefinitely with diverticulitis and this is something that uh, we don't know when he's going to come back assuming he he will come back you know as, as uh, brock lesnar did and, and other people have kind of dealt with this before but yeah i mean it, it definitely kind of hurt them to have a um another one of their guys on the shelf it seems that they rarely have like everybody healthy at once and this is uh you know just kind of one of those things but anything in that chunk stick out you
1: i would say i mean there's a lot there right but the last thing you said about kenny omega what i think is um the timing of his injury was obviously unfortunate and you would never wish injury on anybody especially someone as great as kenny omega uh but you know, what, was, what was very noticeable to me josh was that he just didn't seem locked in in his last few weeks on AEW tv it, it just felt like a guy very much going through the motions and just doing what's asked of him rather than really being in it really being locked in and uh it was super apparent in in the segment that he had on dynamite where it was him and chris jericho the golden jets and they're just basically having a, a diss battle with uh with ricky starks and chris uh big it guy. was ricky starks and big bill yeah and um yeah kenny just didn't seem in it you know and uh it was at that point that a lot of fans were saying and, and including myself, like, I just, I don't know if the golden jets is the right direction for Kenny Omega. And I'd like to see him just kind of back to being dialed in and this and that, or AEW really maximizing, uh, uh, his, his usage and all those types of things. And so when we come to find out that he, the guy is sick, I mean, it didn't come as that big of a surprise, uh, but my mindset in wrestling, when you lose a big piece like a Kenny Omega is always to just look at it, uh, positively and say all right well then now you look down on the roster and you look down on the bench and you say okay who could step up and so for me i think that this is an opportunity for aew to uh evaluate the talent on their roster and essentially just um give certain people an opportunity give certain people an opportunity uh to basically increase their standing and turn themselves into bigger stars in the absence of kenny omega uh you know this this happens in wrestling sometimes, and and it can be a, a blessing in disguise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the big example I think of personally is that uh, Steve Austin stepped away in late 1999 because he had to take a do a neck procedure. And you're thinking, how's the WWF going to survive with no stone cold? And then throughout 2000, it's dominated by Triple H and The Rock, and in the undercard, um, Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho became bigger stars uh, right underneath him uh, in his absence and there's a bunch of other guys that got over in his absence like the hardy boys and then and and other guys and it it was a situation where when steve elston came back by the end of 2000 there's a whole new completely different main event scene for him to kind of look at and work with and so i say all that to say this the kenny omega could come back in a couple months and AEW could have used this absence time productively and it's like all these other guys now are, 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 in, are in the they're in the positions that they need to be. Um, I think the first uh, dynamite of twenty not not I know that this is a December but show but I know the first dynamite of twenty twenty four was encouraging in this respect because there's a lot of the younger guys were just kind of getting uh, time on the floor so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks like they're trending in a direction where they're going to do what I what I'm hoping for. So Kenny Omega is a big story. Um, regarding the rest of the month, I mean. I want to turn it to you, Josh. What stands out to you from the stuff that you let, you, you you just kind of read out there?
0: Well, I, I think the Omega injury. I think for a lot of the reasons um, that you said, I, I it's it's hard because you don't. It seems to me at this point they're never going to get a full, um, a fully healthy Kenny Omega like we would have hoped uh, at, at this point, which is unfortunate. But you're right. I think it's maximizing the the matches that he has, and what I hope doesn't happen is that it gets to a point where, you know, he's like, I, I can't do this anymore. And we're going to be like, oh, we don't, we didn't get this match and this match and this match and this match any kind of, you know, go up and down the, the road. I mean, it's great that, you know, he, he wrestled Ethan page in, uh, in Canada, but was that the biggest match that could possibly happen? You know what I mean? Like, I think there's some of mm-hmm. these, that, some of these that, you know, you, you don't maybe have the luxury of waiting for. In terms of uh, storyline-wise, making them them happen, I think that was one of the reasons that the Continental Classic was so good. Is it forced guys that had never wrestled before, at least on AWTV, TV, to actually get in there and have like pretty great matches and and ones that you normally would not see. And that that would to me that made it so refreshing. Plus, as you mentioned before, like you know lack of interference, and it was just it was just a great tournament because uh, because of that. And I think you know I'd like to see. I, I think i have been talking a lot about. Um, in past shows, but I think the young bucks need a really great 2024 because I thought their 23 was pretty bad. Just yeah, a, I agree. Yeah, just a waste, right? And I don't think as guys get older, you don't want to waste these years. And I'm interested what you know, what their mindset is um, post brawl out and and uh, kind of how they view the company. I, I, I don't really know, but it's I, I think they need a good year. And I hope that uh, I hope Omega has a pretty great 24 and that the matches that we have actually matter. So in, in that first chunk for sure um yeah the omega injury and then uh i I think you know the rousey thing i i I talked about this on a previous show that i think it's kind of one of the this point i was one that the the more kind of like head scratchers like this was a woman that at one point was one of the biggest athletes in the whole world like when she was at her peak in the ufc like mainstream you name it and, you know, she appeared Granted, She was a surprise appearance, but she appeared in front of what? 3,000 people, 3,500 that were left over in, uh, in LA, that random ring of honor appearance. And it was just like, mm-hmm. and it, it, there wasn't like, there wasn't like a ton of buzz for her. there was a lot of surprise, but afterward there wasn't kind of this, Oh, she's going to sign. She's going to sign. There was almost kind of like people are, knew that, Oh, she's just doing a favor for Maria Shafir. And, and, and that was it, but there wasn't a real clamor to get her in a w and i thought
1: absolutely not if anything josh there was um i remember when the spoilers broke about it like there was some people who were like oh man hopefully hopefully they don't do this hopefully she doesn't do this and and the coach from some of the fan base was like ah maybe they're just it's just for the 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 show in texas and she made events with athena maybe it's just a one-off thing and so if anything the conversation was basically like hopefully she doesn't do it and don't worry guys it's a one-off which is just such a departure i mean ronda rousey like you said she was she was a superstar and um the way, she, the way her star has fallen is, like, staggering. You know, uh, that first run in WWE following UFC, uh, she was pretty box office. I mean, she she moved quarter hours. Uh, she was a big name. She was still a big draw. And I thought as a performer, I mean, you know, when it comes to what her game is and what she does, I thought she was, she was delivering for the most part. And um, ever since that second WWE run, I mean, I don't know what happened. Yeah. So absolute massive fall off in just an uh, in, in output and in production. Uh, WWE themselves they had to move her out of the title scene because because she didn't have it anymore. And they she's essentially just became a tag person, which 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 was basically the company's admission that she doesn't have it anymore. At WrestleMania she was in a, a multi-person tag match, and um, yeah they they were they were not rushing to keep her when when her deal was up. And and that's why they parted ways. And, and like you said, I mean, look, this this Ring of Honor thing was like a taped show, leftovers in the crowd, just doing a tag thing, and it was just kind of that, that's 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 it. So, yeah. uh, it, it's pretty staggering what happened to Ronda Rousey.
0: Wild, wow. absolutely wild. Let's go through the rest of the month. You mentioned uh, Ring of Honor. They had final battle on uh, in uh, in Garland, Texas, and Athena took on Billy Starks in the main event. Athena won and suffered a broken nose before the show, still went through with the show. and She continues her run, I'd say, you know, quietly in in Ring of Honor. It's kind of one of those if you know, you know uh, that she just has gone this long run, is doing really fun stuff there and for some reason can't seem to get on the main roster, which is is just strange to me, but, you know, maybe someday that'll happen again. Kyle Fletcher won the uh, television title, uh, the vacant TV title at that show. We had a Briscoe's uh, trios match with Danielson, the Black Combat Club. That was a lot of fun. And yeah, usual kind of a you know, well-received Ring of Honor show that, you know, a, a small amount of people watch compared to, you know, AEW and so on. But you know, it exists, it happens, and 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 we'll kind of see what happens TV-wise going forward. Uh, Tony Khan introduced the concept of a Ring of Honor women's TV title, and a tournament would soon begin on Ring of Honor TV. A bandito underwent a second surgery for his injured wrist and was hoping to return either in April or May. Thunder Rosa attacked Julia Hart and Sky Blue on winter's coming to mark her official return back to in-ring action, or at least the, the start of it anyway. CJ Perry hospitalized with a finger infection. She suffered a getting a splinter backstage at AEW, underwent surgery. She was in the hospital five days. It did end up appearing at World's End. Even as we sit here now, she's still having issues with this finger. It looks looks horrific. Um, crazy, crazy story. There. Yeah, she
1: needs to stop posting that. <laughs> I,
0: mean,
1: I know, people <laughs> are just got kind of st-
0: staring yeah. at it, just like, what is going on here? Um, Jim yeah. Ross' uh, return was announced for AEW Dynamite. He was uh, taking some more time off, and he eventually returned. Soraya's brother, Zach Zodiac, made his uh, AEW in-ring debut before Dynamite. Jim Ross said that Dean Malenko underwent successful brain surgery. Uh, the company's both their vice president and chief marketing officer, being a uh, wife of one of the Young Bucks, departed the company. Kassiru Shibata signed with AEW. Stephen P. New, lawyer, confirmed that CM Punk and AEW are under lifetime NDAs regarding AEW All Out and the brawl that happened afterward, in which uh, Chris Jericho drunkenly replied one night on on Twitter about um, uh, that he isn't under an NDA, and, and that whole thing started kind of led into all some of the stuff we were talking about before. MJF mm-hmm. addressed his uh, character fatigue, saying that no one stays hot forever. Uh, he lost the Ring of Honor tag team titles to the Devil's Mass Men on AEW Dynamite, leading into, of course, a World's End. He said he wanted to have a full time future in both Hollywood and wrestling. Sammy Guevara made his return to the company to reunite with Chris Jericho. It's kind of strange. The last time we'd see him, pre concussion and pre baby, he had uh, he you know parted ways with Jericho and they were feuding, and then comes back and makes up with them just because his his child was in a portrait that uh, Don that um, Don Callis put together. Kind of weird. There.
1: I mean, what a, what a, weird, what a weird angle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. Uh, Sky Toddy made his AEW in-ring debut in a Dynamite Dark match. Sean Spears announced his departure from the company. And then Tony Khan said he was going to lean into more sports-based wrestling with the uh, Connell Classic Experiment, as he called it. So, yeah, there's a, a few things there. Anything uh, there stick out to you?
1: <laughs> Oh, the biggest thing that's going to have broader implications on the TV uh, going forward is the Tony Khan claiming that he's going to lean more into sports-based wrestling, out of the Continental Classic. Uh, when he said that, I was just like, "Do you actually mean it?" And 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 what is that going to entail when it comes to the TV, right? Because when he says that to me, that just means more so uh, a show more focused on the wrestling, a show focused on the wrestling in a sense that uh, the the results of these matches are going to have direct very serious uh implications on on wrestlers standings and so even without uh uh even without sorry uh rankings right um your wins and losses are going to affect you uh, to a place where it's like if you want to challenge for a belt you have to be on a roll right and you're already noticing this josh where uh uh wrestlers are coming on screen and they'll be like, "Oh man, this guy's on a big role. He this person is like seven and two in his last nine matches. So he's this and this and and uh, Samoa Joe. You mentioned that like, um, you know, you can't just walk up and just ask for title shots anymore. And that to fight me for a championship, you have to you have to earn it and stuff. So uh, I think it's a big deal because um, a lot of the conversation again in late 2023 was just about AEW's identity crisis and the fact that." Uh, it, it it in in some respects it did feel like they were kind of leaning into a WWE style of presentation, a lot more um a lot yeah. more uh yeah. you know for better for better for lack of better term sports entertainment style uh presentation and gimmicks and and characters and just that type of thing, and so um correcting on that and veering back towards the sports thing is a big deal, and uh, in my view a positive uh, pivot back to to what worked for AEW because again for me it's like AEW is the alternative promotion. And um, it just makes sense for AEW to be themselves uh, because them being themselves was the most successful version of AEW, the most well-received version, critically. Uh, so that's a big deal there. Uh, the other thing, uh, the Sammy Guevara thing is a mess creatively. I, I think now it's, it's at a point where no one will ever believe uh, uh, a, a less Sex, God, Sex Gods breakup because it's like they can never stay apart for more than a couple months. So uh, that's the thing with that. Katsuri Shibata signing with AEW. Um, I think it was pretty apparent for um, it was pretty apparent to anyone actually paying attention that he obviously was on the outs with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he had the exhibition match with Narita at the Tokyo Dome, and it appeared that he went beyond what was sanctioned for him and what was allowed for him to do, and obviously that upset uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And so he hadn't been allowed back in the ring since that point, and he was doing Ring of Honor. And so uh, this is a pretty big deal. Him signing with AEW, uh, I mean he tells you what's what's gonna what's the state of the his relationship with new japan and i wonder if that changes any any with um the new president with tanahashi i wonder if like maybe they can work something out to maybe get him back there uh but um but it's a pretty big deal and looks like it looks like right now this is his home and it's not a surprise either because uh one of the one of the ring of honor scrums he pretty much made it clear that he's i would like to be here i'd like to sign here uh and so that's that's what looks to be happening uh with max addressing the character fatigue it's crazy, Josh, because I, I remember at the it, at the summertime, right? Max was super over. I thought he was a wrestler of the year candidate, and uh, it seemed like, you know, every for you know in every aspect, his championship brain was working. You know, he was having well received matches. He was doing good quarters. <clears throat> his stuff was well received, like I said. And um, it's crazy how Adam Cole's injury completely changed everything. Because that injury happens, they have to change the storyline and the direction of the devil stuff. And uh, from there on, it was almost like Max would have to apologize on social media for uh, his work every two weeks. Did you notice this? It was almost like, sorry, guys, I'm going to get better. No, I understand. I read everything. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. You know, so he'd have a promo segment. People would rip it to shreds. He'd, he'd go on Twitter and just be like, I, I hear you. I I see you. I feel you you know so uh it's just it was just crazy and surreal to see uh but um i do think the break is going to do wonders for max i think everybody needed a break from each other and so that looks to be happening right now but um those those are the big ones for me those are the big things jim ross returned to dynamite and uh i'll tell you what he did sound refreshed that he he came back at that uh it was a kind of classic match with uh swerve and mox i believe okay and yep. um sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a swerve mocks match, and that was the best he sounded in years. Because he, Jim Ross, had sounded so like tired and croaky and, and grumpy for like the last year of his AEW run. You know, he sounded like he didn't want to be there. He didn't seem like he was super uh, enthusiastic. And he came back on that on that dynamite, and he was just he was just fired up. And so I thought when Jim Ross is on his game, and obviously he's not what he was in you know 1992. Uh, but when he's on his game, at least uh, there is something to be gained from that, and I think he adds a level of gravitas and just sports style um, implications. And 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 there's a sports style of present. There's a sports style vibe that he adds uh, because he he breaks down like just the uh, he breaks it down from the from the standpoint of like the the, the physicality of the athletes and, and and what they're actually doing in there uh, in a match standpoint. And so he contextualizes all that really well. I thought he he helped it when he was in his brief appearances since. So uh, that's that. Um, Bandito being being hurt again and having to get the surgery is unfortunate because I think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, frankly. Um, I think he was set to do some really big things in AEW, and uh, that being prolonged is unfortunate. Uh, beyond that, that, that's pretty much the big stuff there. I agree.
0: Yeah. The, the MJ stuff. And the, right. So anyway, every, every other week he was, uh, yeah, basically trying to be too much of a baby face and just, mm-hmm. I, it's just very, yeah, very strange. And I think the, I think to your point, the, the Adam Cole injury, I think I, I'm and be and you know, I've said this before, like year, a couple of years from now, when these guys are, are willing to talk about past angles, how, how much the Adam Cole injury screwed up the timeline. Cause I think I'm going to guess it probably did a little bit cuz they were just they they stretched that really thin with uh MJF as the babyface and you know, us not really trusting that he's a full babyface and kind of the whole thing and yeah it was a little a, a little muddled there for sure. Um what wasn't muddled as we uh, flipped to WWE for the month and of course CM Punk his first full month once again as a WWE employee, a TKO employee I guess you could say, joining the Raw brand officially declared for the Royal Rumble he was announced and competed in two Holiday Tour house shows in New York City and L.A. One of those going head to head with World's End, and you know, just uh, taking on Dominic Mysterio, smiling, putting smiles on faces, kissing babies, all that stuff. He appeared backstage <laughs> at uh, he was at uh, backstage at the NXT first show, just kind of hanging out. And there was a story that came out he wants to be the you know the next John Michaels there and kind of take over and, and all this stuff. And we learned that WWE was back talking with Warner Brothers Discovery. And that CM Punk's signing may have opened a shut door. So we, mm-hmm. we see how that turns out. CM Punk also made, as he did uh, his first promo at SmackDown, uh, made a reference to uh, you can't just go around punching people in the face backstage, right? That's a, yeah, I can't remember how he specifically rephrased it. And mm-hmm. there was like no reaction from the crowd. <laughs> it was just like people just, they either didn't know, didn't care. And there was no kind of like, Ooh, or anything like that. There was, there was just nothing. And I think that sent, uh, a lot of signals out that perhaps the, you know, WB audience or, or a decent portion of them have no idea what's going on in AEW, and maybe have no idea about brawl out or, or what have you, but they are, uh, you know, they're just happy to have them back on the team and, uh, and they have no idea, but yeah, I mean, your, your thoughts so far on, uh, CM plunk, uh, CM plunk, CM punk model <laughs> <laughs> model. I, I swear it was a Freudian slip. Uh, um, a model W employee.
1: Yeah, uh, it's about what I expected, to be honest. This is, in the CM Punk experience, we were absolutely in stage one where um, he is overjoyed, he loves where he's at, and everything's going well, and uh, good for him. Um, I'm not surprised that, that he's pretty much just kind of, uh, you know, being a good soldier right now. He has no choice but to. You know, he can't, given the circumstances on how things ended with him in AEW, he can't walk into a new place. And just be on ten, and make demands, and act like an asshole. He can't do that. So of course he's going to have to come in and be a total professional, uh, just to show WWE that. Because I'm sure there was some hesitation, at least to a degree, when mulling over whether you should bring in CM Punk. Because I mean, I know that they 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 kind of kept it, they held it close to the vest when it comes to him coming over there. And they did have conversations pretty quickly after he uh he he got fired from AEW. But at the same time, I. If you notice, it seemed like, at least for a bit, it seemed like the eight on the WWE side, they were dragging their feet when it comes to putting this deal together. And that's not because of his talent or star power. It's obviously because they were hesitant because of uh, all the baggage. And I'm sure be- between that and some of the history and maybe some bad blood between some roster members, they were probably, like, kicking the tires on. Is, is this even worth it? We're hot. Do we need CM Punk? But ultimately, they made the move. And so it's up to Punk on his end to just basically... Uh, you know, just stay out of the way and just kind of do what he has to do and without without any of the other extra stuff. So that's what's happening so far, and it doesn't surprise me. So um I, I'm not shocked at that. And regarding the just the on-screen production, um, I thought his first promo coming back from on Raw was really strange and didn't work. Um, uh, but uh since then it's been it's been it's been good stuff. Uh his his SmackDown promo is more of what what you want out of a CM Punk. Uh you sign him and you have CM Punk because he's controversial, because you know he's gonna um make you at least a little bit uncomfortable uh you know he's going to make you sweat a bit he's going to say something that that that's going to be a headline he's going to say something that warrants conversation for the next couple days and so that's why you sign cm punk you don't sign him to be a neutered wrestler that just kind of blends in with the rest of the roster you have plenty of people like that right you sign cm punk to be cm punk and to be provocative is is the word i'm looking for and so uh that's what you kind of got on the smackdown promo and i thought that was more like it so to speak i know the um The punching people line didn't get the reaction uh, we expected. and Like you said, if anything, it suggests that uh, there's maybe less of a crossover in the audiences than you'd expect. And uh, I've kind of been noticing that anyway for a while. Like uh, WWE fans are very much like in their own zone, you know, Um, and they're separate. And so it'll be interesting to see how Punk continues to navigate that because a lot of what he's doing on the television right now is based on just the reality of CM Punk because the reality is more interesting than any fiction you can come up with with him and so yeah. yeah yeah you know what i mean and so like so like a lot of the promo segments are basically all right this guy comes on tv to tell punk how he feels about him they did it with seth Rollins, and they did they did it uh, last week with drew mcintyre and so um they're finding links in the stories to do these types of things and uh you know they're, they're trying to they're, they're it's a work in progress but they're trying to tweak these in a way where it doesn't confuse the audience who clearly uh, for a lot of these situations that are being alluded to, they're just not aware of them. Uh, so uh, it makes it interesting. I mean, they're, Punk is going to do a face-to-face with Cody Rhodes next week. And it's like, if they do a bunch of allusions to AEW, like how how is this going to get received, you know? yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so far, so good for CM Punk. Uh, they're doing the part-time thing with him so far. They don't want to burn him out. And when I asked the company about his schedule, they said basically that, uh, you know, the Royal Rumble hadn't even happened yet. So let's not burn out CM Punk when there's still so much to do, so much of interest to get out of him and so. They're still trying to keep him special They're trying to give him a, make him a guy that's there every one to two, uh, sorry, two to three weeks. And so, um, and for me, uh, I've, I've pretty much, I've, I've generally liked what, what they've done with the Meg outside of that first raw promo.
0: Yep. I would agree. I would agree. All right. There's a lot here at WBE. let's go through uh, this first chunk of stuff. Uh, a report came out that Mercedes Monet no longer in talks with WWE, and we'll see if that's actually true with the Royal Rumble approaching next weekend. Zelina Vega signed a new contract with the company. We learned that Cody Rhodes signed a new contract back in October. Ran stereo signed with WWE. Bailey signed a new deal. Dominic re-signed. And, yeah, so a lot of people uh, re-signing with the company. And they got some, uh, obviously, some some new TV money coming in and obviously doing really well financially, so no, uh, no concerns there for WWE as they lock in some uh, popular talent. Mackenzie Mitchell, however, and some other corporate employees were laid off by the company. Randy Orton, after returning back at the Survivor Series, joined the SmackDown roster, and he said later, Oz returned to the company. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Ricochet returned to action at a house show after a concussion protocol. A fan hopped the rail and attempted to go after Grayson Waller at a house show. Jade Cargill on her still waiting on her WWE debut, saying you shouldn't rush, shouldn't rush success. Uh, WWE exploring cutting back on house shows as part of a uh, Additional cost-cutting initiatives, so likely see, I think they said the C&D counties or something like that, probably cut back on some of those shows. The company announced a new class of uh, NIL program recruits. Braun Strowman provided an injury update, saying he's coming back for Bray Wyatt. Uh, Bobby Lashley said some people were very against CM Punk's WB return. Hulk Hogan said he loves watching LA Knight and WTV. He's a rising superstar, brother. LA Knight also received the key to the city of Hagerstown, Maryland. The company announced and then released uh, Braun Strowma, Wakasha w- Strong, a, a town in Wisconsin that suffered a uh, mass shooting, Uh documentary there about uh, Braun going home. Uh, South Carolina, the contract reportedly set to expire at the end of 2024. I don't think anyone thinks he's uh, going to be going to free agency. Cody Rhodes said, this is a headline, got some news, I think one day we'll see MJF in WWE. Liv Morgan was arrested in Florida for marijuana possession, said it wasn't hers. And then uh, Charlotte Flair resigned with the company. And then just horrendous timing. Uh, She's going to be out of action nine months due to a a knee injury she suffered in a match on SmackDown, undergoing surgery for a torn ACL, MCL, and meniscus, so really screwing up her knee there. So, yeah, some positive there. Charlotte, I'm sure, get a nice uh, bump in pay. However, then she's going to miss most of uh, 2024 and, uh, of course, mania season and all that due to a uh, torn, a tore, busted-up knee. So thoughts about any of that? There's a few things there.
1: Yeah, the Mercedes thing is the surprise. I um once things got weird with uh like she had the injury in the match with Willow Nightingale at the New Japan show. And she appeared at all in. And there was almost an expectation that in the coming weeks and months that she'd make an appearance at some point with AEW. And things got quiet on that front. They got eerily quiet. And you started to kind of there was some forward momentum on, on talks that She's she may be making a WWE return. And I just started to get the feeling that it was actually going to happen. I was like, all right, maybe maybe this is going to happen. Mercedes to WWE. And that was kind of my gut feeling on it was that that's where this is leading to. And so when the report broke, I want to say it was the week of Christmas uh, that the the talks uh, and it just ended. Uh, I was surprised. And when I read read into the reasoning and it said that basically that, you know, WWE didn't want to meet her demands or they didn't want to pay her, essentially. I was just surprised. Because to me, Josh, I mean, when you're the company with a a ton of momentum and there's all this goodwill surrounding your product, most in in years, and uh, there's all this stuff happening and clicking for you and your audience, your audience is super thrilled with your product and all this stuff is going well. And Randy Orton came back and that was well received. CM Punk came back. That's a big thing. I'm surprised that they wouldn't want to keep that rolling and go, all right, well, at the Rumble, it's Mercedes. Boom, Sasha Banks. Now she's in the full WrestleMania season. And you just kind of stack the deck in that respect. And I'm just surprised that they didn't go out of their way to do that. Uh, if, if the reports are to be believed and that they just didn't want to want to pay her. Um, so that, that was surprising to me. And regarding all the people that got extensions, the story to me is less about their extensions and more about who's remaining and what they're going to do with those people. Because. Seamus is looking to get paid as well. Drew McIntyre is looking to get his extension. Thanks. And so is Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. Um, I expect Seth and Becky to stay. Uh, I'd imagine Drew McIntyre would stay, but I'm just surprised that they hadn't come to terms uh, uh, on an agreement yet. You know, he has about like four months up in his deal, I want to say. And uh, that's not that much time. And usually they like to kind of lock a guy up well in advance of that. And so Drew is a heavily pushed person on the show. And he's still heavily featured on their TV, and so for him to be in that position and uh, not have an extension is just very surprising to me. And I just wonder what's the what's the holdup on that, and 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 what what the choice is going to be. And uh, to a, to a much lesser extent, but similarly, uh, Shamus is another guy that I wonder what they choose to do there. Uh, when the merger happened with with Endeavor, um, the belief was almost that oh well, they're, they're going to handle this like UFC, they're going to lowball certain guys and let a lot of guys go. But they'll keep the big time players, right? That was the that was the almost assumption and expectation, and what we've seen so far is uh, a lot of guys, you know, big time or not, are just getting their their deals. I mean, you know, Dominic got a deal, Zelina, and all, some of these other wrestlers who are maybe not at the super, you know, tippy top uh, echelon of the roster. And so, I wonder what this means now for guys like a Drew McIntyre and Sheamus and what what happens to them. So uh, that that's a that's that's just something to monitor for sure. Um, Going beyond that, let's see here. Charlotte's injury is going to affect Bianca Belair's uh, mania plans because Charlotte was going to face Bianca at WrestleMania. And um, with her injured with an ACL, I mean, that's going to leave Bianca empty. And uh, it kind of ties back to Jade Cargill for me because um, she came in with a bunch of pomp and circumstance and fanfare. And they did the big media run. And she did all these interviews with all these with all these you know sports outlets and things like that. And she did the photo shoots at the Performance Center. Uh, and then WWE kind of paraded her around their TV for about two weeks. You know, she was popping up on Raws and SmackDowns and NXT. And uh, it, it appeared, at least to me, that she was going to make a debut imminently. But um, once that kind of fizzled out, they stopped showing her. And I know that part of this was, um I know that, I know there was, there was a, a stretch where she just wasn't available because her mother had passed. And so she was just kind of taking time to grieve for that. But I, I am still, to a degree, surprised that she has not wrestled yet. And uh, Paul Levesque spoke on this at the last Scrum. He was at. I want to say it was Survivor Series, where he said, "Like you want to get her just right." And so I wonder what that means in his mind, and I wonder if her debut is going to be at the Royal Rumble. So that's just another thing to monitor. And uh, if, if you ask me, I think uh, why not just throw her at Bianca Belair into the deep water and just see how that goes. But uh, those would be the big headlines for me off the top at uh, the top of my head from these um, from 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 this set of, of, of headlines.
0: Yeah, the Mercedes Monet thing is so fascinating to me because I. I, I don't. She's so non-public, which in some ways is refreshing. Yeah. In some ways, it's also tough because, uh, you know, you, you really just don't know. There's all this information we just simply don't know um, what's going on. So I, part of me thinks, you know, she's it'd be perfect for her to return to um to WWE in that it just it provides the biggest exposure, uh, the biggest spectacle, the biggest shows. I mean, they're they're hot right now. So it it would make sense. However, she is somebody that has a lot of outside projects, and you know, I I don't know if there was an issue with her when they didn't promote or seemingly didn't really promote The Mandalorian, which she was on that show, even in kind of like a smaller part, and really kind of make a big deal of it. I don't know if there's some some residuals or some issues there where you know she's kind of just frustrated that they didn't uh, promote enough, and maybe she wouldn't get the she still get approval to do a lot of outside stuff. However. You know, with AEW, I think you know to your point earlier that they they kind of have backed off it. Both both sides have kind of like have not gone out of their way to to say to really kind of get out there like she's not coming to kind of set expectations. But I don't know. It's she could appear at the World Rumble. I wouldn't be surprised. She could appear in AEW at some point. I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't know what her motivations are. I know she she enjoys wrestling, but I don't know if it's a case of. Wrestling is just one small piece of the pie, you know. She she wants to be able to compete in New Japan. She wants to be able to compete in in AW and kind of do what she wants, and also you know experiment with Hollywood or fashion or any of these other things that she might be into. I just it's hard to tell kind of what what she wants and who's going to be able to give that to her. And I would think WWE be more flexible than in the past, but I don't know. It's a uh, it's fascinating because I can see her going either place. Or, you know, just, I, I can't imagine her not going anywhere. I'm sure she wants to kind of make up some lost time and ring time, but it's hard to know because I just don't know what her motivations
1: are. Yeah, her being non-public is is, is the big thing here, is that, um, you know, it feels like reporters have to scramble and kind of ask, you know, secondary sources because she's not talking and she's super vague about what she wants to do. It, it's looking like it's leaning towards AEW, but again, with Mercedes, you just never really fully know because she's just unpredictable and very mercurial and so it's uh, it, it's just weird in that respect so like like you said i don't know what her motivations are i don't even we don't even fully truly know she's never on her end vocalized her reasons for walking out from WWE. you know so very 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 reclusive in that respect very quiet um very vague uh, mercedes is so uh, we'll see. But again, like, like, like I was bringing up earlier, I just I'm just surprised that like WWE didn't just jump to run over to her with a big package, um, you know, equipped with all these little, you know, elements of a deal that allow her to do what she wants to do on the side just to get just to re-secure her. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, like you said, I, I mean, if she did pop that rumble, like, is anyone going to be floored by that? I, I don't think so. You know, Um but it's it's looking like I guess based on the reporting that that they backed out on their end.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Because remember that story came out about Punk and and WWE not being interested, in, you know, and then that Roof. that changed. So you never know. You never know. Um, <laughs> right. It's interesting. You mentioned um, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. I I could see because I I know that. So the mentality I think could be well, of course, WWE is all money in the world. They're just going to re-sign everybody, but. There is going to be a, a case where, you know, they have a lot of people that they're going to want to elevate up from NXT to get opportunities and, and to kind of be part of the show and, and just get the call-ups and just give more breathing room. In addition to guys like, you know, Randy Orton's back and punk is back and some of these people that, you know, the Sheamuses and the Drew McIntyres may be like maybe they're like, this might be time to go try something else and go go work somewhere else. And uh, you know, I'm sure. Seamus has probably talked to edge or if he hasn't probably will at some point. And, you know, they, they kind of know what's up on the other side of the fence. And yep. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if someone like a Seamus or drew, even both of them decided that maybe, maybe it's time to, to, to look elsewhere. Maybe they want to work some, some new Japan and AEW and do some other stuff. And I wouldn't be surprised about that. Cause there are going to be cases where, you know, just cause everything is, is, is hot over WWE doesn't mean everyone's going to be happy. Everyone wants their spots. Right. And, and if there's, Absolutely new people coming in that's just less opportunities
1: yeah individual talents are always no matter how well the business is going individual talents are going to look to look at how the situation works for them first and foremost you know so like a drew mcintyre or whatever it's like okay that's it's cool that they're selling out buildings and that they're doing this and that but it's like if you're drew and it's like okay and another place i can make more money and possibly even get pushed even harder that's a possibility and he finds a spot where he can do this. He's going to prioritize that and, and seek that out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, both Seamus is in his mid forties. Drew McIntyre is like 38 at the, at the moment, I believe. And so there is a p- chance that WWE might just go, um, well, we got some guys in NXT that we could throw out there and push. And, you know, with how things are going for us, we could get them over and, uh, and, and, and pay them far, far less. And so, um, it, it very much a foot an NFL style mentality there. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but for the talent themselves, I mean, yeah, these guys are going to field offers everywhere and, and that's their right to do. And they should, you know, Seamus, I think he absolutely should explore what the interest would be in him uh, from new Japan pro wrestling or, or an AEW. Uh, Seamus is a guy that's been in WWE and the WWE system for uh, well over a decade at this point. And he's done everything there is to do. And so, if he signs if he stays with the company it's definitely like a, a legacy thing that he's just doing there but um when it comes to just achievements and, and things like that uh, he's done everything there is to do and so uh, if they're not willing to meet uh, his his desired number he he absolutely should explore the open market i agree go
0: through the rest of the month in wwe uh speed new concept debuted at smackdown taping uh, trademarkers file we still haven't seen anything from this but apparently this is marrying off the um i think it's in stardom they do the the speed title or something I, i'm trying to the
1: do the high speed division and they have a high speed title and it's basically matches with like a time limit yep and it's it, it's it's basically their way to kind of feature like you know junior heavyweight style fast-paced wrestling yeah
0: yep. so we'll see if that comes to fruition shotzi got married in las vegas for a house show top Dallas at his botch spot and smackdown saved his life and uh, he'd get some, <laughs> some medical diagnoses and things like that. He's still still paying the price of that, even in his new home in uh, TNA Wrestling. Seth Rollins Nick. paid uh, tribute to Bray Wyatt and Brody Lee at a house show. Our truth returned to the ring for the Raw Miracle on 34th Street Fight. Caden Carter and Katana Chance won the women's tag team titles on Raw. Xavier Woods banged up and was off the road from WWE for a bit. Becky Lynch said, we were just talking about her a minute ago, said she never wants to leave WWE. It's my home. We'll see if that happens. Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo aligned with Santos Escobar and SmackDown. Talk about free agents? Julia uh, apparently leaning towards joining WWE in 2024. It was reported there was no talks with AEW, and that she's either going to remain in Japan or sign with WWE. A lot of people assume that it's going to be with WWE, but until that uh, happens, I guess we'll see. Sami Zayn, even though he's uh, a storyline injured return for a holiday house tour, house shows, and then said is uh, the live event that they held and Laval, Quebec, was more special to him than Elimination Chamber. That's where he's from, and uh, it was kind of a great experience for him there. Sonia Deville resolved a firearm charge and completed a pretrial intervention program from uh, a charge that happened, I believe, it was earlier in 2022, maybe, perhaps, I think. Uh, the Rock teased his return during a Make-A-Wish visit, and that would end up happening. The Rock uh, also uh, officially set to play MMA legend Mark Kerr in the Smashing Machine biopic, or was an MMA fighter there. Uh, Triple H teased... The return of a former champion at Raw Day One. That would be not just Jinder Mahal, but The Rock, as I just mentioned. <laughs> the company would tease the return of the authors of pain in SmackDown vignette that ended up happening. And Gunter and his wife Ginny welcomed the birth of a baby boy, and uh, I think that boy is going to be quite big as he grows up, based on uh, yeah. the size of uh, of Gunter. Uh, yeah, so we had a couple things there, but uh, thoughts about any of that? Anything else stick out?
1: Yeah, Julia, it's interesting. I- when I inquired about her status and, and, and things of that nature, uh, I got the implication. And then later on the confirmation that just AEW wasn't interested in Julia. And I uh, just thought that was interesting. And I wondered what, what was the exact reasoning for that? And I got different answers, varying answers on that, but it, it sure does look like she's going to um that she's going to uh, go to WWE. She broke up her stable. Uh, a few weeks ago, on a, on a startup show, uh, Donna Del Mundo, I believe, is, is the name of it. And uh, so she broke the stable up. Um, she retained her championship, the the, the Strong Women's Championship, at, at the last New Japan show, but she's going to be defending that soon against Stephanie Baker, who uh, they're very high on, and I, I'd, I'd imagine Stephanie beats her further for her for that championship. Uh, so the clock is ticking, and I, I would not be surprised if uh, you know we find Julia in a performance center uh, sooner rather than later. So. That's a big story that that kind of sticks out to me there because she has very high upside. I think she has a great look. I think Julie is a good wrestler. And in WWE, where like presentation is, is a big part of what they do, I could easily see her kind of fitting in the mix there and and and, and, and uh and assimilating to what they do. So uh, that's a pretty big story there. Um not as big, but just kind of interesting to me, is that Rock is gonna play an MMA legend, Mark Kerr in the bio bashing <laughs> machine. So what's interesting to me about this is that rock always does very specific types of movies right uh, he's not trying to go for prestige drama or hollywood or anything like that he does he stays in his lane he does the big action movies he plays very much the same guy in every film um and 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 so him maybe taking a more uh, dramatic role is just kind of i kind of get a kick out of that like i don't jump to watch rock movies anymore Uh, But this is one that I just kind of I'm circling just just out of curiosity to see like what what rock doing the drama looks like. So that's just something I I circled there. Uh, Beyond that, uh, not just just a bunch of smaller stories here. Um, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn was one of the big, big players of WWE in 2023. One of their one of their MVPs, in my opinion. Um, He's a guy that a beloved babyface in NXT Um, he wasn't getting the proper push on the main roster. They turned him heel a couple of times. He's one of those guys that he reinvented himself a ton because in WWE, in that setting, especially under Vince McMahon, you kind of have to have the ability to be adaptable and versatile to essentially keep your job. You know, you have to just kind of roll with the punches, change your role on a dime, um, do whatever is expected and asked of you. And so him having the ability to just kind of be that type of guy is what kind of prolonged his career. Uh, But ultimately, especially with the regime changing, um, Paul Levesque kind of made it a mission to reestablish Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And in 2023, Sami Zayn, as a babyface, was pushed the hardest he ever had been pushed in the main roster. And he was uh, very much a major player on the TV. Uh, So um, I was appreciative for it. I think Sami Zayn, when I watch the show, Sami Zayn is always a major highlight on all the shows that he's on. And so... um, uh, yeah, him taking his time off has is, is, uh, immediately affected the shows, because when I tune into Monday Night Raw, one of the things that I, I I immediately tell myself when I'm in an hour or two is, man, I miss Sammy, <laughs> you know? So um, hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later. He was written off in, in an angle against Drew McIntyre. They had a match on Raw in December, and um, I believe it was, it, yeah, it was December. They had a match in December. Drew McIntyre beat him up, and they wrote him off, and he's so he's off the TV right now, but uh, I'd expect him to be back by the Rumble time, and so... Um, yeah, hope, hope, hopefully uh, hopefully we get him sooner rather than later. later. All right, we'll go
0: through the month in NXT. Of course, they had Deadline, which uh, featured the Dragon Lee replacing Wes Lee due to a knee injury. It put him out for quite some time and ended up winning the North American title. CM Punk, we just mentioned him, actually appeared on the show, essentially to kick off the show in a uh, little uh, skit with Shawn Michaels in the ring. Crazy to see still. Uh, Cora Jade made her return at Deadline where she lasted for about a month for tearing up her knee. Uh, Trick Williams, Blair Davenport uh, won the uh, their respective Iron Survivor Challenge matches. There was a, The rest of the month featured uh, a new NXT faction, Charlie Dempsey, Drew Gulak, Miles Bourne, and Damon Kemp. They were given the name and a new trademark filed for the no-quarter catch crew. Tiffany Stratton challenged Fallon Henley to a stipulation match at New Year's Evil. Men's breakout tournament finals were set for New Year's Evil, which featured uh, Obafemi taking on Riley Osborne. Ilya Dragunov was stretched out in a strange storyline following a uh, NXT match, of course, involving, I it was Ridge Holland. And there was just kind of this, these th- weird kind of tiebacks to um, uh, the, uh, the injury to big E and everything. So kind of, kind of odd there. And then he, uh, he came right back. So that were, there was that uh, Blair Davenport and Riley Osborne announced their engagement. The company announced they were air- exclusively on the WWE network in the UK. And then Roxanne Perez appeared for reality of wrestling course owned by Booker T help trainer uh Anything of that stick out to you
1: yeah Sam Punk's enthusiasm for NXT is interesting because um like you kind of mentioned and touched on earlier he 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 has interest in, in in uh working with NXt and working in a, in a creative capacity and what what's interesting about that to me is just that his taste for wrestling and his preferred style of presentation of wrestling and his instincts are very very different than how NXt is put together and presented. Uh, it's very different they're very apart and so what's interesting to me is just the future of NXT and how if he does kind of get in the fold because obviously this is just kind of early conversation but uh, if he does end up getting implemented into the fold of NXT uh what what that looks like because he had a heavy hand in in, in the creative of, of AEW Collision right mm-hmm. and um stylistically like collision is closer to early 90s wcw than than wwe and NXT is kind of its own its own monster in that respect. So I'm just curious what what that ends up looking like if that ever <laughs> comes to fruition. Because uh, you'd think he he tried to make it uh, feel a bit more authentic, if anything, uh, than kind of how they do things, which is very much um, they teach you to kind of be care be a character, and then you kind of grow out of that and maybe you know find your legs and your footing within this gimmick and this character. Uh, so that was something that stood out to me. Um, Wes Lee's injury is really unfortunate. It's really, really unfortunate. He was out in crutches, and uh, I, I don't think he was ever specified or or, or or said what actually happened to him, uh, but he has a severe back injury, so that's that's going to be tough. He's probably going to miss the whole year, or at least most of the year. So that's so you know, best wishes to him. And uh, Cora Jade is the is uh is the latest in in a line of injuries, uh, so that's that's another tough one. But yeah, she made her return at deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that. They're really moving fast with Obafemi, and uh, I guess I, I get it. I do get it because he's just a huge guy. People took to him. Social media really got got into Obafemi pretty fast, and uh, they had a run through guys in that breakout tournament. So, um, yeah, they just really took to Obafemi. The the, the Ridge Holland angle with with Dragonov is very strange. I don't. I I just wonder what was the motivation there. Uh, it's just kind of kind of a weird one to do, but um, it seems like Holland is back down in NXT right now. They've broken up the uh, the Brawling Brutes stable.
0: Yep.
1: So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, I mean, things are kind of chugging along in NXT. Uh, I'm curious again, just broadly speaking, it's because now they got they got to deal with the CW, right? Mm-hmm. And I just wonder what the what the long term plan is for the brand. Um, how fast are they going to move some of these big names out of there? And is that going to be affected by CW? Because you think people like a Braun Breaker, for example, right, uh, should be on the main roster at this point. And a couple other names are like that as well. Uh, Tiffany Stratton, Roxanne Perez. But do you hold off on that because you're getting a TV deal? Because there's a a chance by the time we come to next year and it's time to get on TV, um, they're missing all those guys. So those guys are on SmackDown. And so it's like... Do you, do you do you accept that and just go full developmental and use completely fresh green guys? Do you go back to signing fully uh, from the independency? What do you do? So I'm just curious uh, how they handle that.
0: Yeah, I, I remember uh, someone mentioning CW skews very, very young, like teenagers mm-hmm. almost for some of their shows. So like uh, maybe more, uh, someone suggested maybe more storylines and uh, very like uh, stuff that, may not appeal to every wrestling fan put it that way you know more yeah. uh, more tiktok feuds and things like that and, and stuff no, that, my- yeah stuff that's not exactly you know down sean michaels alley in terms of his uh, age demographic put it that way more more younger stuff i guess
1: yeah that'd
0: be something but let's go to another company it's got some questions going in 2024 that being impact wrestling of course the final month though is impact now we've re- officially returned to tna and this was a this is really a, a lame duck month in a lot of ways, as far as TV, because they really didn't have any new TV. And it was just all about pushing to the fact that a hard to kill uh, TNA, the branding was going to take over again. They did hold one streaming special, which was a final resolution. And uh, Josh Alexander and the debuting Zach Samer jr. Pick up a win over the motor series machine guns. There was a lot of other, you know, kind of matches there. Didn't have much consequence. Um, How company announced they're going to be returning to new Orleans for uh, no surrender is uh, tend to get out uh, a little bit out of the the impact zone, so to speak. Okada set for a trios match, and then Will Osprey versus Josh Alexander two were set for the Snake Eyes TV taping that took place um, just at uh, just this uh, this past weekend. And we saw the Osprey Alexander match already. The Okada match is coming soon, and yeah, we also have the El Hijo del Vikingo. Uh, he appeared at both Hard to Kill. It was signed for the Snake Eyes TV taping as well. Hard to Kill was starting to take shape. There was a triple threat X division title match knockouts ultimate X match grizzled during veterans set to make their debut at the pay-per-view as well. Uh, the company announced they will be partnering for a, uh, with endeavor streaming for a new version of their TNA plus subscription service. Trent seven, we've talked about him earlier, officially signed a contract with TNA wrestling uh, as part of final resolution, signing it literally on the back of Mike Bailey. Uh, Kashida signed a contract with the company and said that his new Japan relationship will stay the same. Despite the signing, Eddie Edwards re-upped a new deal. They announced a new action figure deal. Jay Chung uh, is the new TNA, ring, uh, TNA wrestling ring announcer. Scott Demore said they were finalizing what they called one of the biggest signings in company history, which I believe, I assume they meant is Nick Nemeth, who made his appearance at uh, Hard to Kill. So I don't know if it's one of the biggest signings, but uh, <laughs> there you go uh Brian. maybe he's talking about dana brooke who knows uh brian myer brian myers resigned with the company Dana. Danny luna uh, officially signed a contract and then the rascals resigned with tna wrestling so obviously with the you know the tv shutdown that they announced in october they're essentially going to go go dark for a couple months as they were kind of leading into um uh, leading into tna or the, the tna relaunch and everything they did their uk tour and everything and that um essentially kind of go with a a little bit of a, I was a smaller roster, but more of a a focused roster. But you tell there's some of the people they decided to bring back to be part of this. And you know, we'll see. I was asked yesterday if on, uh, on Pollock and Thurston, I was asked about if, uh, if I thought the TNA change, would it really kind of mean anything? And I, I I honestly say, I don't think so because they've Mm -hmm. had talented wrestlers for a long time and they have a talented in-ring for a long time. So it's a long ways removed from the um you know the days of Vince Russo and Dixie Carter and Hogan and Bischoff and just kind of the the, the dark days when you know, they still get mocked uh, online today they have a, a pretty great in-ring product a really you know solid um, production and uh storylines that make sense The knockout division is, is really great so they've done some really good things it just you know they they they've have you know again Nick Demis and, and Brooks and and resigning some of these people you know it, it the, the issue has never been not having enough great wrestling. It's what is it? What is making this stand out that I have to watch this over anything else I have in my queue to watch? And when yeah. you have when you have you know five hours of uh, non pay per view weeks, five hours of WWE to watch, and you have five hours of uh, AW watch, and if you're expected to watch Ring of Honor, and all of a sudden you may have a battle of the belts, and maybe all of a sudden uh, you have a pay per view, and and not even counting you know, New Japan and all these other things as well that's a lot to ask and they put on good stuff, but it's how do they break through? And I, you know, I'm glad they're taking advantage of their, um, their new Japan access with uh, with access TV. And that partnership really, I think is, you know, so many people focus on forbidden door for, for obvious reasons, but you know, they've, they've done a couple of crossover events as well. A lot of new Japan talent comes in again. As I mentioned, Okada part of these, uh, last, uh, this TV taping and will Osprey coming in as well. Again, there's, um, It's just it's just hard to break through because you see these guys so many places, other places, and it's tough to get people to commit more hours to TV.
1: You hit hit the nail on the head there. Um, Impact has been a stable and competent product with good wrestlers for a while now. You know, it's not a mess. It's just the third brand. And being the third brand is very difficult in, in, in today's landscape. Because what are you offering that isn't offered on a bigger scale, on a bigger stage, I should say, Um, that that isn't being offered on a bigger stage? So, like, you know, WWE exists, AEW exists, which makes it very difficult. I know that when I was younger, you know, going back, TNA appealed to me because it was like, it's the second brand in the United States. And I didn't have the immediate access to the Ring of Honor wrestlers that I would like. And it was cool that TNA would give me the option to to see those guys because for a while, the Ring of Honor dudes would work in TNA and vice versa until, until that got cut off in, I think, 2007. And so it was like, okay, on TNA, I get to see Austin Aries, and I get to see Jerry Lynn, and I get to see AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels and these types of guys. And these are not guys, Josh, that stylistically were being highlighted on WWE TV. So it was like, when I watch TNA, I get to see wrestlers that work a totally different type of style and i get exposure to that for example and they have a six sided ring that's different and you know so on and so forth you look at current impact and it's like i think wrestling stylistically is kind of homogenized across the board everybody works this hybrid style everybody does a little bit of lucha libre everybody does a little bit of strong style you know everybody does you know the same types of sequences so to speak you know big dramatic closing stretches finisher kickouts all that type of stuff right and so when that type of match is something that you can now see everywhere. Right. And there are good wrestlers everywhere and you have access to whatever promotion you want generally at the click of a button. Cause most of these companies have a streaming service everywhere. Where does that leave impact? You know what I mean? And so it's like, like, like you said, it's a solid product. There's many good wrestlers on impact. Right. But first of all, a lot of the better ones work in other places at the same time, you know, um, and and again, it's just what can they do to stand out? And I'm rooting for them to to, to gain uh, uh, increased footing. I think it's better for wrestling if Impact kind of gets stronger. If Impact gets stronger and becomes a viable place for other major names to work, um, and balances the scene out, that, that's a that's not a bad thing, right? Uh, you know, you get more parity in the wrestling scene. Uh, but it's just hard to visualize given the situation because again, like I said, I'm I'm not sure they offer enough uniqueness when it comes to their product uh, to 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 make people kind of to break the focus away from the big two which like you said has so many hours of television on national tv and major networks uh, so that's kind of where i stand with that
0: yeah you bring up a good point there and something i think is uh under i do say underreported but the the aspect that we see some of these wrestlers compete like they all over the place you know and it's so much different now that mm-hmm you know WWE, you don't see that as much obviously but you know in aw you can see uh you can see john moxley in new japan uh for wrestling revolver gcw like in like a two-week span you can see him wrestle like four different companies the same thing with a uh, josh alexander or will osprey some of these guys and i think it's you know it's good for the wrestlers to able to work different places but also for the viewer and for the organization it's kind of like well if i can see wrestler x in all these different groups what what you know, I now I have to pick and choose kind of where I want to watch this person, and if I see him once on you know Rampage on a Friday night, is that enough for me? I I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those interesting thing, interesting things that it, it takes away also from kind of like the like the dream match scenario. You know what I mean? Because before, yeah. in the you know let's say the the old times, WWE and, and uh, WCW, you didn't have that as much. So when a guy or a girl moved to a different group. There's all these types of first time matches and, and interactions and, and things like that you would never be able to see. Now it's so much different because you know promotions need to be able to have talents uh, to be able to do this, and also the talents need want to be able to work. They don't want to work just one day a week, so they are able to fill up their weekends and do stuff. There, there is a there's a there's a, a trade off with that. It's like you know more more exposure, getting out there, more more money, hopefully. But then on the flip side, it's also like it, it that exposure makes them feel less special when they get to a different spot because we've seen them so much in other spots.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so and, and again, it's it's typically from from their better wrestlers too, who are doing who are getting around like this. And so those better wrestlers that you're thinking, okay, maybe I I know why I want to watch him back. I want to watch him back because they have Josh Alexander or they have Mike Bailey. It's like I could I could see Mike Bailey every weekend on a different independent show i know know, uh, yeah that guy works like that guy works nine days a week and there's not even nine days in a week so um yeah yeah, that's that's the tough part for them um well the other thing i'm looking at with impact is uh, or now tna is just um who they build around because there's a lot of guys there that have been there for a long time and 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 some of them just kind of have that i don't want to say stink that because that's too derogatory but Just kind of have that vibe of this is impact and this is very much yesterday's news. And I think if you're trying to have a new era here, right, and you're trying to rebrand as TNA, I think there has to be some type of roster turnover, which isn't happening right now. Uh, I know Deanna Parrazzo moved on, but they still have largely the same core that they've had for a couple of years. And um, I think you have to kind of change that up a bit Going into this new scene, I know they got they they secured Alex Hammerstone to work um, hard to kill, which he did, and I think that's a, that's a great piece for them to kind of build around if they can have the opportunity to do so because um, Hammerstone's a very talented guy. He was a top guy in MLW for a couple of years, and uh, I, I think he's very good. And I think he's just the type of he's a type of guy who he, he has had experience in a different setting, a smaller setting, of being a main eventer. But uh, I think those skill the skill set translates over to Impact to do the same thing. And in a new spot, it, it, it would it would uh, it would help define this new period of TNA if uh, a part of building around a part of a part of it was built around Alex Hammerstone. I think they should embrace more of that, which being um, new pieces, guys who can help them out, guys who just change the complexion of what they're doing, because, again, otherwise, it's just like this is just more of the same. It's impact with a new name. And I think, if anything, you really don't want to be that. And so I think that should kind of they should kind of think of that when they're making decisions on on roster on on their roster and who to keep and who not to keep and that type of thing. I agree.
0: Let's go through uh, the month in Japan. Uh Kazushi Okada, seriously entertaining. Signed with WB or AEW, when his deal is up, we'll see if that actually happens. Uh Kota Bushi challenged Namichi Marufuji at uh, Noah's New Year 2024, Sukaban, Announced the streaming details for their second event in the United States. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi defeated El Fantasma and Hikaleo to win the World Tag League for the third time. New Japan Pro Wrestling in, uh, introducing the IWGP Global Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 18. Of course, that'd be the combination of the. US title and the UK title that Will Ospreay decided to create. So they uh, combined those two belts. Tetsuya Naito won the uh, Tokyo Sports MVP award. Of course, I think Dave Meltzer might be the only one that still cares about the Tokyo Sports MVP award, but uh, talks about it every year. He loves those awards, absolutely loves them. Uh, New Japan original Osamu Kido passed away at 73 years old. New Japan joined the United Japan Pro Wrestling Industry Group, and in a joint event that was announced. Through all these different uh, Japanese pro wrestling organizations to try to have some strength uh, between them. Uh, the company's deal with Access TV was renewed for 2024. Taichi won the King of Pro Wrestling Tournament at uh, New Japan's Road to Tokyo Dome event. Uh, sorry, King of Pro Wrestling title at that point. Uh, winning that was a provi- uh, provisional title, I think they call it. Anyway, uh, Charlie Dempsey, NXT, a little bit of crossover. Kind of interesting here, challenging for the... AJPW All Japan Triple Crown Championship. And that was a uh, very kind of interesting how that came about with these strange Twitter videos. And we didn't know if it was actually legit or not. But it sounds like there might be more of a crossover um, with more uh, potential NXT or WWE talent working with All Japan. We'll see how that turns out. And the big news of the month, Hiroshi Tanahashi was named president and representative director of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Said he will continue to wrestle as president. Uh, There was a story that came out that Okada, Want Takami Obari out as president because Obari just saw him as a, a bit player, and um, you know when you have a, a talented kind of equate him like a, a an actor. You know, a talented actor, they move on to a different show or something like that. And uh, Okada didn't like that much, and perhaps I will change his thoughts about uh, seriously entertaining. Sign with WB or AEW. Uh, Obari said that Tanahashi will create the best New Japan Pro Wrestling ever. Kami revealed their full card for Wrestle Kingdom 18, including uh, Yui Uramura versus Yoritsuji coming now, sir their first ever coffin match, uh, head to the road to Tokyo dome event. And then will Osprey challenged uh, Okada for a match at new Japan's battle in the Valley, which just happened last weekend. So yeah, a couple things there, including president Tanahashi, the ACE as the, uh, the yeah. ultimate champion of new Japan pro wrestling.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of interest here. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of pretty big stuff that's going to have implications on the rest of the year, but um, the Tanahashi story, the story about Okada and Obari, and then the story about Okada, the entertaining offers of WWE and AEW, they all go hand in hand with me in my opinion, because I, I think that when that thing leaked out and then it, that preceded uh, the um, the announcement of, of, of uh Uh, Of Obari being essentially stepping down as president and Tanahashi taking it I think that whole thing was a big power play I think that Okada wasn't happy with the power structure in New Japan and the front office and the management and I think that he was essentially flexing his political muscles and and getting what he wanted out of a situation kind of like when a star player um, essentially asks for a trade or or you know makes it clear to the front office that I don't you know I don't like this coach or this GM and then they they side with the player and they make the move to to change this to keep the player happy. I think that's what happened here with Okada, and so I, I do not think Okada uh, actually intends to sign long term deals with, with AEW or or yeah. WWE. Uh, he he lives in Japan. His wife is a voice actor, I believe, in voice actress uh, in Japan, and uh, he's just such a staple of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I can't even visualize him on Weekly TV in America which is really weird so uh that's the, that's what I think about that um, the NXT all Japan thing was just very interesting I when it when when uh when when all Japan's president put out that video, I was like, is this real is this a rib what's going on? <laughs> and then like we didn't get a follow-up for like a day or two and I was like I guess it was like a joke <laughs> I don't know and then we get that other weird follow-up video where William Regal's talking and he announces Charlie Dempsey for the for their for their their tour. And I was like, okay, so this is like a thing. And then they announced it was Charlie Dempsey, and uh, and he was tagging with Yuma Anzai against Tatsumi Fujinami and Leona. And it was like, okay, Fujinami has the connection in the sense that um, uh, Fujinami was inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame by William Regal. And uh, Fujinami was Regal's first match in New Japan. So they announced that one. And then you get the follow-up it where was, it was him... And anzai, it was dempsey and anzai against uh uh against hideki suzuki who worked in wwe and nxt as Hashiman. and uh, he was in the diamond line group but it was against uh, him and um and katsuhiko nakajima who dempsey was challenging the next night for the uh the triple crown and so they did that tag on the tour and then dempsey got the the, the pinfall victory right over nakajima and then they did the title match so Three matches, three straight matches for a WWE contracted talent in All Japan Pro Wrestling, which you would never think would happen. And um, whether this is going to be something um, further than that is yet to be seen. Uh, but usually these things just don't happen. And there's a lot of turnover happening in All Japan internally when it comes to their front office and 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 key office people and and, and just veteran talents leaving. So uh, that's a big thing to monitor for 2024. Is, is the status of WWE and all Japan. And if that's an actual thing, or if this is just a, a favor to William Riegel. Um beyond that, uh what else do we have here? There's uh, the Kota Ibushi thing. Kim. I wonder what's, what's, what's his long-term future Josh, yeah.
0: because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, it's uh not looking good. Put it that way. That was right. I, I said that. I mean, I'm not the only one to say that, but like, I was in Boston for the uh, uh, blood and gut show and yeah. it just, just, he didn't, he just didn't look right. Just didn't like, no. I, it seemed he was just on a different page and then everyone else physically just didn't look there. And yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone was expecting a prime abushi, but people that even people that have been watching him for a long, long time are like something, this just doesn't doesn't seem right. And that was before, I mean, he's just going out there and um, you know, he's weirdly he, like did the back bump and attacks after. And, and then you had this match again, we working on a broken ankle or whatever it was and just all these injuries. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I talked about this before that I wonder if uh, you know, friends is like a, a Kenny Omega or people like that I've kind of talked to him and be like, you know, kind of like, like, what are you doing? Or do you, do you want to, do you have to change your style a bit or kind of like, help him kind of navigate what's going on because that's, I mean, again, that's what friends are for, right? He's trying to help figure this stuff out. But I mean, he signed this AEW deal, but I don't know how they can even use him at this point.
1: I don't get it. I just, and that's the thing. It, it was apparent to me pretty quickly that this was not the Kota Ibushi that we all know, you know, I, I saw him at blood and guts and I was just kind of like, Oh, okay. And then he was in those tags at, uh, at, at Wembley stadium and then again in Seattle for the, uh, Wrestle Dream pay per view, but it just kind of felt. Uh, I hate to say it, it felt like a charity appearance or something. It felt like it felt like AEW doing Kenny Omega's friend a favor or something. Um, and then again, he had this match with Mata Fuji where he worked with with a bad ankle and he hurt himself even further, and the match is terrible. Yep. and it just. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know. If, I guess what I'm what I'm worried about and what I'm wondering is if Kota Ibushi will ever look like Kota Ibushi again. And um, I guess we'll see. And, and I think part of it also will come down to him and in, in, in the sense that I think it's going to be up to him to have the self-awareness to know, like, I, I shouldn't be working hurt and uh, not forcing it when, when he maybe doesn't need to. Uh, but that's another thing to kind of keep an eye on. Naito winning the Tokyo Sports Award. I'm not saying this is the biggest deal in the world, but, but what is kind of a, apparent to me, Josh, is uh, the enduring popularity of Tetsuya Naito. He is still just huge in Japan. You know, he's now, what, 40 years old, 41 years old. And, uh I mean, there's a reason why Keiji Muto selected him to be his last match last year, you know. And uh there's a reason he won the G1. And there's a reason why he made him into the Tokyo Dome. You know, you you would think, at least I would think, that at this point maybe his star would wane a bit. Uh, But that just isn't happening. LIJ is still as hot as ever, as over as ever. And Tetsuya Naito is still somebody that, that puts butts in seats, you know. So um i don't even know the tokyo sports mvp award is that voted on by fans over there
0: i i think so the only time i ever think of it is when i hear dave on, on wrestling observer radio talk <laughs> yeah. is he gets so excited about it like he, he you know sometimes something <laughs> so kind of just interrupt brian one of those things that oh we got to talk about this we got to talk about this you yeah know, he gets stuff.
1: the tokyo sports awards yeah him yeah, and so-
0: fumi yeah they love this stuff yeah
1: <laughs> yeah right. Uh, yeah, but look, he's still as popular as ever, and this is just more indicative of that. Uh, if anything, um, beyond that, I wonder because it says here as one of the, one of the bullet points is the Yuya Uyemura Yoda Suji. that already came to pass? And Yo- uh, uh, Yoda Suji did the job for uh, Yuya Uimura. um in 2023. They announced Suji Ren Narita and Shota Umino as the Reiwa Three Musketeers. And they hadn't done a Three Musketeers official label for any of their towns since the 2000s when they labeled Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Katsuyori Shibata. And, um, I mean, there's been some whispers as to, like, that was an, an office thing, and the president wanted to do that, and Gator wasn't on board. But uh, one thing I will always say is that when that was announced, I, I my, my immediate thing was, what about Yuya Yo, Imura? Because I was really high on his work as a young lion. And um, he's finally back from, from his excursion. He was in uh, Impact Wrestling. And he's back, and he's a part of Just Five Guys. So to me, I feel like he's one of those guys that you want to build the company around. And so uh, clearly, at least to some degree, they're indicating that because they, they kind of have him in the mix with Yoda doing matches. And they're going to be working with each other throughout this New Beginning Tour. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I what I want to see in 2024 is uh, in the almost invisible not real standings of where these guys place where they will sh- where it will shake out by the end of the year when it comes to umino suji narita and and yuya Uemura. Uh, so so that's kind of my my perspective on the stuff going on in japan for december
0: mm. all right let's wrap up with the junk Drawer. this is the best of everything else that didn't fit any other categories here so we'll run through all this goldberg saying that vince mcmahon is a piece of shit <laughs> he promised him a retirement match <laughs> <laughs> this still hasn't happened yet. Drillistico announced his departure from AAA. Richard Holiday made his debut, or sorry, his return rather to MLW. And Alexander Hammerstone finished up with a company at their uh, final event of the year. Andrade El Idolo made his return to CMLL. CJ Perry managed him, and uh, Charlotte Flair was also in attendance for one of his matches, identified as uh, Ashley Flair, I believe. Uh, is I believe how they they identified or something like that. Dolph mm-hmm. Ziggler, his uh, first po- first post WWE match was announced for uh WWC Euphoria, the World Wrestling Council out of uh, Puerto Rico, of all places. Oh. Uh, John Cena and MJF posed for a photo at the uh, LA premiere of the Iron Claw. Uh, Mansoor made uh, set to make his GCW debut as uh, a lot of these guys and and gals that were uh, cut were finally uh, finally free to start signing and and Mansoor is one of these guys who you've seen out there a lot. Him and uh, uh, and Ali for sure, and uh, it, you know guys that are at least trying to, you can tell they they want to keep going this wrestling thing for, for quite some time. And uh, I mentioned Nick Demuth and all that, but Mansoor is uh, going to run the uh, the indie route and has a ton of dates booked and a lot of people excited to see him. So good for him. Uh, EC3 set to face Matt Car- Matt Cardona in a uh, world title death match. King of the death match, Matt Cardona, uh, CJ, as I mentioned, CJ Perry was set to manage Andrade for his, uh, CMLL return. Of course, uh, tie into the AEW angle there, WBD, you know, we're so focused on, uh, WWE coming to WBD that we didn't even notice big little brawlers coming in the back door, a new reality series set for, uh, I believe the max streaming service, Matt Riddle, uh, said that wrestling in Japan is on his bucket list for 2024 MLW confirmed that Matt Riddle was going to return at uh, Kings of Coliseum and going to be a, a regular there. Uh, former uh, New Japan and WWF wrestler Killer Khan passed away. We had a the end, the official end of the print version of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter after decades of decades, digital only, a decision that I had uh, been involved in for quite some time and was wondering when it was finally going to happen. And uh, mm-hmm. finally pulled the trigger. Uh, Dave did in December, so uh, that ended for... Print subscribers, Earl Hebner uh, talked about his reconciliation with Bret Hart and that they have a good relationship. Ray Phoenix was pulled from an indie show due to uh, in- ongoing injuries. So, hasn't come back to uh, AEW yet. Mustafa oh. Ali, I just mentioned him, announced his World Tour campaign. So, he's going to be doing a ton of dates out there in 2024. Zilla Fatu, uh, set to make his GCW debut in January. Will Ospreay was set for his final indie wrestling match uh, for Rev Pro against Michael Oku in February. Cassie Lee and Sean Spears expecting their second child. Of course, her partner, Jessica McKay slash Billy Kay. welcomed the birth of her first child. And then Curtis Mad Kurt Chapman, uh, indie wrestler and, uh, over in the UK, passed away at 26 years old. Thoughts about any of that?
1: Ali, uh, Ali doing this campaign is interesting. This world tour thing he's doing because, um, to me, when when WWE releases talent, right, there's certain guys that they release that you feel are can't miss. And it's like the company should immediately snatch them up because they're like, obviously like, you know, superstars that just weren't featured as superstars. And then there's the guys that I think um, would benefit from essentially rehabbing their value and showing that they're actually uh, better than maybe most people would see them as. And I think Ali is in a spot where he would benefit from a Drew McIntyre style in the independent run. And so, this world uh, tour campaign, if anything, would suggest that he's going for that. Uh, because if he just jumped immediately to sign, like in AEW, for example, right? I think he would slot into a mid card spot where he'd have matches here and there you know, because they know he's a good worker. And so it's like, all right, they'll throw him on a rampage, they'll throw him on a collision here and there and do these matches with guys. But I, I don't think he'd be able to, I don't think he'd be able to walk in and immediately have an impactful role, so to speak. You know what I mean? And so the way he set this up for himself, I think he's, it's the smart thing to do in a sense that I think a number of months of this, doing the world tour, doing dates with New Japan, doing independent dates, you know, so on and so forth. If it goes well, if it goes well, um he absolutely increases his standing in the wider wrestling space uh Dolph Ziggler looks like he's going to be doing a a version of this as well sorry Nick Nemeth uh you know he's doing the Puerto Rico date but he's he looks like he's going to be working everywhere and so we'll see how it shakes out for those two guys and some of the other former WWE people um looking at some of the rest of this uh I want to I'm gonna throw it to you real quick Josh have you seen Iron Claw
0: Yes, I saw a screening uh the week before uh I sorry, the week before I talked to uh, Holt McAlney. I talked. I saw the Ironclad Boston. Yeah. What did you think? I thought I thought overall I thought it was good. Um, it mm-hmm. was there's as I was mentioning to uh it was talking to Jason Powell yesterday that I think there's three segments of, of different people who I'm all I'm interested in their takes, mainly the ones that aren't wrestling fans, because I think they're the ones that this is kind of really targeted for. The mm-hmm. um the the historians, the people that really know the history are gonna have a tough time watching it because there's so many things to to pick at it. Um, there's the ones like myself who generally have a general knowledge of the wrestling history, but are able to kind of put that to the side. However, there was two things I couldn't. Uh, one was uh, the height of the actor that played Cary Von Eric. I just could not get over that <laughs> at all. Um, and I mean there's the little things like you know, that you know, the night he won the title. Or the day after or something like that, he decided to go out on his motorcycle, and that's when he it got his foot injury. Uh mm-hmm. you know, we know that didn't happen. That the fact that there was one more Von Eric that died, uh, they didn't even include in the movie at all. Um, and mm-hmm. the other thing, of course, is is the flare promo. The flare promo is, is one of the just I, I was so jarringly bad. It was it was hard to watch. Other than that, I I thought the, I thought the movie it flowed good. Uh, I would have liked to see more Tierney uh, have a, a few more lines and get a little bit more kind of the emotional depth of a you know of a mother that uh, has, has lost so many of her sons. Like, I imagine pretty crushing, and I don't think she really got an opportunity to to do as much as I think she could. But um, yeah, I thought I thought Holt was was great as Fritz, and and uh, Zach Efron looked apart as uh as Mike or David rather or Mike uh yeah David come I'm, I'm yeah is it Mike or David which which role did he play now um I I haven't seen the movie Kevin, so Kevin. maybe it's Ke- yeah Kevin God I'm, I'm now mixing all the different Bon Erics uh but uh, <laughs> yeah I would say it's it's worth a watch um but uh yeah I mean mjf's in it for about you know 10 seconds or so so there you go
1: what, what did Max do in the movie
0: he was so there was a montage near the end and I'm not spoiling anything for a anyone but there's a there's kind of a montage at the end when, you know, Kevin is, uh, they're kind of showing the decline of the territory and kind of how things weren't as hot as they used to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's in a tag team match with, um, with, uh, with MJF and, you know, MJF is kind of in the ring and, and doesn't move and flexes. And it's kind of like, you see Mike kind of like looking to try to get in the ring and and really can't or something along those lines. But it's kind of just that, that things have really kind of changed that he's not, the territory is really kind of cooled off and, and so on but he's i mean he's in there for i mean maybe 10 seconds if that you can definitely oh, no, you know you definitely notice him but you know that's about it
1: so he doesn't like have any dialogue or anything. no 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 oh oh wow. got you that's interesting that's interesting yeah i mean because i i'm looking at the john cena max thing and i saw the picture and uh i i get the feeling and this is not necessarily based on anything anyone has told me but i, I get this feeling that max um, his long term goal is to do more so like acting and focusing on that and uh you know i'll tell you this you know when i watch him in these like in those like backstage segments that they do uh he, i i always took note that mjf is like very good for a wrestler actor you know what i mean like when you when you watch like a wrestling tv show and certain guys have to do the backstage pre-tape where they talk to each other, and like it, sometimes it'll be stilted or guys just kind of very much like reciting a line that was told to them or whatever. MJ have always felt very natural in those to me, and uh, so enough so that like I I always felt that he would he would actually do pretty good on a TV show. So I was just curious what was the extent of his rolling iron claw.
0: Yeah that that was that was the extent of it. He flexed. He did. I think he did a <laughs> hip toss and hip toss and flex. That was the extent of it. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. I'll check the movie out. I'll check the movie out. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the rest of this. Um, Andrade, I watched the CMLL matches. He had a tag. He was with um, God, who was he tagging with? He tagged with, uh, I want to say Sobrano Jr. and I think Angel de Oro. And he took on, um, he took on Atlantis Jr. and, uh, and Mystico and somebody else, I mean, the, the the third person escapes me on the babyface side, but that was a hell of a six man tag, and it's a shame that Andrade's CML since seemed to only have been two three matches because uh, he I thought he was great in the setting, and I thought I thought like they could have done some real big business with him and Mystico uh, and in Arena Mexico, you know those 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 Friday shows are hot. Dave, you, I'm sure you hear Dave talking about it all the time. Oh like yeah, Alex. oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep, those Friday Arena Mexico shows, the amazing crowds, and now the tourists are there, and all that stuff, and yeah, but it's true though; it really is true. You, when I seek when I seek these out, and and I've gone out of my way in twenty twenty three to do so. I think they've had a great year, or they had a great year. Um, it's just it's just a ton of fun, man. Those main events feel so big, and uh, Andrade he he fit in right like a glove, you know, just his hard hitting heel over there, and working with like their up and coming luch- uh, babyface luchadors. Um, he did some great work i thought and it's really a shame that uh it's just going to be a pit stop and not uh, not a more extended stay but um yeah that's kind of what stands out to me goldberg calling vince a piece of shit is really funny uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i did goldberg deserve a retirement match i mean i guess perhaps sure uh, I'm surprised, honestly, I'm, uh, genuinely, maybe I shouldn't be. I'm surprised uh, he didn't get a call from Tony Khan to do at least anything. Because Tony Khan loves his wrestling history. He does love his share of nostalgia, especially WCW-based nostalgia. And so I honestly expected uh, some, some, some Goldberg uh, 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 involvement in AEW. I thought it was going to happen at Wembley. And when it didn't, I thought maybe in this thing retirement tour, we'd get some. And uh, at least at this point right now, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I guess we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, I mean, given the success in terms of the the box office for the Sting match, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if maybe it's an all in, you can talk them into doing a you know, one more match, and uh, you know, make it from a big crowd. Do something something short. You know, a uh, uh, a big meaty men slapping meat match. You know, a, a uh, against a powerhouse Hobbs or something. You know, it's just just a, two big dudes just going at it. And um, yeah, you know, it could be something down the line. You never you never know. I would not be surprised to see that all in 2024 for
1: sure. And and as long as it if it's a mid if it's a thing in the middle of the show you know just yeah, copy. Yeah. And, and and it's not for a championship I think it's harmless you know you know so I, I don't I I wouldn't be opposed to it at all
0: yeah I wouldn't either I wouldn't either well we've come to the end of our journey my friend we've uh, looked through <laughs> uh, all the happenings in WWE and AEW and uh, Japan and Impact slash TNA and and everything else in between. And uh, yeah, even though this stuff just wrapped up a month ago, a lot of it feels like it happened ten months ago because of all the stuff that's <laughs> happened since then. But, but before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to to plug uh, where we can hear you? I know you're uh, you're doing some more uh, podcasting and uh, doing more on video these days, which I know wasn't uh, your yeah. favorite thing to begin with. That they've talked no. about. But where can people check you out at uh, Russell Purists and uh, and and check out your stuff? Good floor is yours
1: oh thank you josh yeah Josh. first and foremost thanks for having me you know i i, I enjoy doing this you're really good at this you know and oh, i you. appreciate yeah i yeah, appreciate you bringing me on but um yeah my name is ibu of russell pierce my, my government last name is comma of russell pierce and uh you can find me uh on on twitter um at backup of and you know I, I tweet pretty pretty frequently and uh when it comes to my content uh, on the Russell Pierce channel, subscribe to Russell Pierce, and you can find me there every Monday on Russell Pierce Worldwide. We usually recap um, the weekend's happenings. We'll talk about Collision, uh, SmackDown, Rampage, and whether what other uh, major shows happen. We will cover the news as well. Um, but yeah, man, every Monday, Russell Pierce Worldwide. Every Tuesday, we do the raw reviews, and I'll be on those. Wednesdays, um, I, I'm on there for live streams covering the news. And uh, sometimes we'll do some Sunday shows that I'll be on. So subscribe to the Russell Pierce channel, and you'll be able to see me more on there and listen to me more on there. Uh, but again, beyond that, just follow me at Payman on, on Twitter. Great stuff.
0: Yeah, fun follow. Uh, love your insights and uh, fun to see. And, yeah, you're always tweeting during shows, so it's always good to see somebody's opinion and uh, and all that. But it's uh, it's good stuff. This has been fun. I've been waiting to talk to you for a long time. Glad to make it happen. Won't be the last time. Ibu of Russell Pierce, thank you so much for stopping by.
1: Josh, thank you so much for having me. I'll come back anytime you need.